0: you're listening to a free audio only recording of my show Rebel Roundup. Tonight my guests are Sheila gunn Reid and Kean Bexty. Now if you like listening to this podcast then you would love watching it but in order to watch you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long format TV style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as all the other great TV style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support the rebel without ever having to spend a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. We all knew that many of the illegal aliens who flooded into our great dominion since the Prime Minister's idiotic welcome to Canada tweet brought with them all sorts of problems, but after investigating the matter, it's even worse than you think, folks. You won't want to miss... What Sheila gunn Reid has to say. And when it comes to China, our Prime Minister, well, he says he admires this kind of basic dictatorship. But the Premier of Alberta recently called out this regime for what it truly is, a bunch of liars. Kian Bextie will offer his thoughts on the Premier's tough talk and the Prime Minister's embarrassing fanboy fawning. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding my attempt to celebrate Earth Hour during a global pandemic. And yes, it was predictably a miserable experience. So can we now put this 60 minutes of useless virtue signaling where it truly belongs, namely (laughs) the rubbish bin? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up.
1: showing the costs associated with dealing with those crossing the Canadian border illegally to make asylum claims, including the costs for housing and accommodation, food, staff, transport, tents, fencing, trailers, etc. at the border, and transfers to provincial or municipal governments, and health and medical needs since January 1st, 2017. And we submitted this request on September 29th, 2017, I know it's april 1st 2020 now what we recently got back was 160 pages of data and it's so jam-packed full of information that i'm probably going to have to break it all down into three different videos please bear in mind this data is also two and a half years out of date it's from october 2017 and it was accumulated in the wake of trudeau's january 28th 2017 welcome to canada tweet that basically imploded our immigration system with an influx of illegal asylum seekers already illegally in the United States, fleeing Trump's rightful crackdown on immigration from seven failed states. And even though this data is somewhat old, because the feds didn't want to hand it over to me, I think the situation is probably much worse now. Actually, I know it's much worse. My colleague, Kian Bexty, saw visibly sick illegal migrants crossing into canada at roxham road just a couple of weeks ago and we also know that trudeau's changes to the quarantine act to quote close the border made a specific exemption to allow sick migrants to continue to cross into canada and claim asylum and at the moment in time in which this data was collected 10 months after justin trudeau's idiotic tweet 13,223 migrants had crossed into Canada from the United States alone at various non-points of entry. So let's get right into this. On page 4, we can see that 43% of all asylum seekers at this point were Haitian. The next largest country of origin is Nigeria. We also learned that the average age of asylum seeker is 28 years old and 56% of them are male.
0: Hmm, does something smell a little fishy here, folks? You know, that the fact that the majority of asylum seekers happen to be young, able-bodied males? Oh, sure, they might be mobile, but that's not to say they aren't sickly. As Sheila gunn Reid found in her investigation, these recent guests to our dominion have brought with them highly infectious diseases such as tuberculosis, which is a potentially fatal bacterial condition. But to paraphrase Alfred E. Newman, what they worry, because it turns out hundreds of these immigrants have received free dental care and thousands of them have been given free prescription drugs. Oh, hey, what the heck? Just put it on the tab. And with more on this egregious story, is Sheila gunn Reid herself. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend.
1: Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show.
0: Always a pleasure. So, Sheila, what a mind-boggling report, and there's just so much to digest here, and this is only your part one, but for starters, what do you think was the most shocking tidbit of info that you came across while going through all of those voluminous government documents?
1: You know, I think it was. I mean, it's a lot. I think it was the fact that if you are walking across the border illegally at Roxham Road, where these documents show that majority of crossings are happening. I think we all know that you can walk across the border from a totally safe country and have tuberculosis. And we just say let me take your bags, get in this bus, we're going to take you somewhere nice. It's kind of shocking. You know, we were all sort of shocked when we heard that Justin Trudeau made an exemption in the Quarantine Act to allow asylum seekers who are visibly sick with the specific symptoms of COVID-19 to still come into the country, even after he said the border was closed. But uh, that's not really the exception. It looks like that's the rule. If you're sick come on in. We'll give you free dental, which Canadians don't get. We'll give you free vision care, which Canadians don't get. We'll give you free prescription coverage, which Canadians don't get. And these folks on average have, a cl- have an average of six healthcare claims each. Each. Wow. How many times do you go to the doctor in a year? These people are coming over and just racking up the medical trips and we're paying for it all.
0: And and you know, Sheila, there's refugees and then those who are, I guess, economic refugees. They're they're not fleeing persecution and fleeing jail sentences just because of who they are. In other words, refugee classic. These are people who just want a new start. And instead of getting in line and filling out the paperwork, here is a convenient way to jump the queue. That's what's really egregious about us. Before anyone brands us as anti-refugee, I think we're more anti-con man than anything, wouldn't you say?
1: David, I am pro-refugee, pro-real refugee. Um, In November, I took a week away from my family, flew halfway across the world to detail the plight of Christian refugees, and then we made it our Christmas project to continue to raise money to help them. I am an advocate. For the persecuted, the, the real refugees, the people who are fleeing a certain death, for example, if they don't renounce Christ, like yeah. the Christian refugees at the hands of ISIS. The, these are not real refugees. These are young, able-bodied men, average age of 28, um, with 56% of them being men, coming from countries like Haiti and Nigeria. These are not people fleeing wars. These are economic migrants who are queue-jumping ahead of people who do need our help. And that's the most appalling part of all of this.
0: And I think there's another appalling part about this too, Sheila, on the political side. And that Mm -hmm. is we were told for years by Justin Trudeau that, you know what? We inherited this uh, safe third-party agreement. There's nothing we can do. My hands are bound But as we saw two weeks ago, when he decided to finally shut that border down at Roxham Road, we hope, um, yeah, apparently there was something you could do. So that's A. And B, Sheila, once the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic is over and, you know, God knows how many months of this we have to suffer through, but how fast is it going to be before it goes back to business as usual at Roxham Road?
1: I think it's probably still business as usual at Roxham Road or other places like Southern Manitoba where some of the other crossings do happen. Um, we know. I already mentioned it. Justin Trudeau made an exemption in the Quarantine Act for visibly sick migrants. What they what they call in the law, people, um, special persons, which are people claiming asylum at non-entry points, which is exactly what Roxham Road is. I think that announcement by Justin Trudeau might have slowed the influx of migrants there But I'm sure there are still migrants coming across at Roxham Road still receiving no health screening. I mean, we're not screening people at the airport. We're certainly not screening them at Roxham Road. So uh, I think it's still pretty close to business as usual down there. And we know this isn't a problem that Justin Trudeau inherited. This is a problem that he created. The statistics play out that all this happened after his virtue signaling welcome to Canada tweet that he put out in response to Donald Trump's crackdown on overstayers of visas and uh, immigration from seven failed states. Justin Trudeau decided he was going to lead the anti-Trump open borders cabal in the world and Canadians are paying the price. And
0: and you know, Sheila, a couple weeks ago, I was at Roxham Road when it was ostensibly closed down. And, you know, the thing that you know, gnaws at me is the fact that that's one particular tiny little entry point. You know, it's a dead end from New York State to a dead end on Quebec on the north side. But, you know, there's so many open fields. And the weekend of the closure, RCMP and Quebec Provincial Police officers and their cruisers were driving up and down all the secondary roads. I could see them. And I spoke to one of the QPP officers, And he he basically admitted, he said, look, that's not the only entry point in here. And I said, well, what kind of territory are you looking for? And he only half jokingly said, well, from here to British Columbia. (laughs) And you know, there is no fence. There's no wall, certainly. So who's to say there's not some, you know, new hidden nook and cranny where some of these irregulars are crossing over uh, anyways?
1: Well yeah, I mean it's the world's longest undefended border but I don't think you need to go somewhere difficult to get into Canada. We make it pretty easy to cross legally and come on over. I mean this document package that we got back for this access to investigation and or access to information investigation, it's 160 pages long and some of the stuff I'm finding out in here, I mean it's truly astounding. I've even gotten bills back um, from the bus companies, the deluxe charter bus companies, um, and they specifically ask for deluxe buses to move the migrants once they illegally cross the border. And the the poor RCMP officers have to degrade themselves into carrying luggage. And then they load these folks onto deluxe coaches and then take them off to places like Chatham. And I've got the hotel bills now too. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really astounding. And this information that I'm getting, it's like two and a half years out of date. That's how long we had to fight just to get this information. I can't even imagine what it's like now.
0: Well, Sheila, before we wrap it here, it always comes down to the RCMP carrying the luggage, right? And like you, (laughs) I do cut these officers some slack because you know what? They are acting on the orders of their superiors, and their superiors are acting on the orders of their political masters, and so on it goes. But why do they have to carry these suitcases? They've been, those suitcases have been carried for hundreds, maybe thousands of miles, who knows? Why is it they have to become, you know, live up to that stereotype of the Royal Canadian Bellhop Police for that last hundred or so yards over to Canadian soil? I don't get it, Sheila.
1: (laughs) It's got to be humiliating. I, I mean, I can't imagine that anybody signs up to fight crime and uphold the Constitution <laughs> and defend their communities um, and put their lives on the line for other Canadians to be hauling the expensive luggage of fake refugees into, an, into a deluxe coach to send them off to a hotel. I think um, whoever is ordering these RCMP officers to do this, shame on you for degrading these officers in this way.
0: 100%. I'd love to mic them up one day. You can hear the, re- oh, the yeah. so-called refugee off-camera yelling, hey, watch out, be careful, that's Gucci. Um, mm. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway Sheila, it was a great report, part one. Can't wait to see part two. And, um, you know, keep you, know, you you do the most amazing work in the entire Dominion going through these voluminous government documents and finding all these shameful tidbits that the mainstream media somehow misses so keep up the great work sheila
1: thank you david yeah it's a it's a big job i, I can count on one hand the uh, news organizations who are asking these questions um <laughs> and if people would like to see my report um, and help fund our access to information yes. journalism because it's very uh, laborious and expensive. We have a researcher. We have to file expensive appeals to get access to these documents. They can go to rebelinvestigates.com.
0: Fantastic. And I know this is a, to- a horrible time to ask for money, but folks, yes. if you want us to keep telling you the other side of the story, we really do depend on you. We don't get a nickel of government funding, nor would we take it if offered. Right. Sheila. That was fantastic. You stay safe. I hope your family stays safe, and we'll talk next Friday.
1: You too. Take care of your beautiful family, David.
0: Okay, thank you. I don't know if they're beautiful. Anyways, that was Sheila Gunn Reid somewhere in northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
2: There's something called high politics and low politics. It was a term coined during the Cold War of the last century, where high politics was everything regarding the security of the state, international diplomacy, uh, military policy, security. Uh, Those were the really important issues that dealt with the uh, longevity of the state, whether or not the state would survive even into the next decade. Low politics was basically everything else, from gender identity to who's allowed to get married to who. That is all low politics, and people are quickly realizing it. This global pandemic is causing a political realignment. We can see it every day. And just yesterday, in a private phone call, yesterday I thought it was actually a public-facing call, turns out it was a private call with just stakeholders. The Premier of Alberta decided which side he was going to be on on this political realignment. And it has to do with whether or not you're going to capitulate with China, the World Health Organization. And the United Nations. So there are those who are supporting the Communist Party of China and then there is everyone else. And Jason Kenney in a private phone call just yesterday said, and I quote, China lied to the world. That is a very strong statement that we're hearing from the Premier of Alberta and it's a statement that would never come from the mouth of Justin Trudeau. PM Blackface has admitted that he's a big friend of Communist China.
0: It's a level of of, uh, admiration I actually have for China Um, because their, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a dime and say we need to go green as fast as we need to start, you know, investing in solar. Wow. Justin Trudeau has said so many cringeworthy things for the past five years or so, but that one takes the Chinese egg cake. On the flip side, however, we have Premier Jason Kenney using tough language simply to tell the truth. Namely, that China lied. And now the world is enduring trillions of dollars worth of damage thanks to all of that Beijing BS. And with more on this tale of two leaders and how they perceive China... Is our very own roving reporter Kian Bexley. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Thanks for having me, David. Hey, it's always a pleasure, Kian. So, Kian, China did lie, and we have discovered that the World Health Organization is simply a lapdog beholden to China. You know that. I know that. Everybody knows that. But from a political strategy viewpoint, why do you think Jason Candy chose? to use such not-so-diplomatic language in calling China out? Or was this just a matter of the Premier being so filled with rage in terms of what's happened in recent months that he just couldn't help himself?
3: Well, I think Jason Kenney, I mean, he knows what he's doing, right? He's been in the game for a long time. He knows where the battle lines are being drawn before most Canadians are aware uh, there's, there's even um, a fight going on. And right now, there's political realignment happening. And it's turning out that it's not so much, uh, you know, who is in favor of a carbon tax or who's not in favor of a carbon tax. That's all low politics. That's all stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the long-term maintenance of the state, whether or not we'll exist in the next generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we see that we're at a point right now where there's folks who are pro-China, pro-World Health Organization, pro-UN, people who are happy to have their ears plugged uh, and listen to the official talking points that uh, this, this virus was you know, just made in a wet market, it was an accident, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a whole host of other things. People who are willing to eat up that WHO slop, and then people who are on the side of regular Westerners, Canadians and Americans and people in Europe who aren't buying into that World Health Organization Chinese
0: propaganda you know kian moving forward i mean i just was driving earlier down uh, downtown toronto it's almost like zombie land it's it's a set piece from the walking dead my heart literally breaks i look at all these little mom pop businesses all these restaurants a lot of them aren't going to come back in and i it's that way right across the nation right across the world and my blood fills with rage Is there any possibility once we put this pandemic behind us that the nations of the world can do some kind of litigation against this nation for being absolutely grotesquely negligent?
3: Negligence is a good way to put it, David, and and it's not just past negligence. This is something that is continuing. If you believe the line. That this was, and I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but if you believe the line that this virus came from a wet market in Wuhan, well, China has just reopened those wet markets. Yes. There's one city, Shenzhen, uh, just north of Hong Kong, that has banned the consumption of dogs and cats. Bravo. (laughs) But across the entire country... Wet markets are reopening while the rest of the world is dealing with this global pandemic. And China is trying to act like this hero, you know, sending masks and stuff, just like, of course, uh, the Europeans sent smallpox blankets to the Indians. Um, these, These masks are turning out to be ineffective. They're killing people in France. China is culpable. They're negligent. It is their fault. Every single time Someone buys something in a wet market or a new animal is brought to their wet market. It's like putting a bomb in every single hospital in the West. It's like putting a bomb in the Wall Street Stock Exchange on the floor of the Stock Exchange there. They are damaging our economy, our global health, and they're to blame. They know what they're doing, but they don't care. And we have to hold them to account. I don't know if there's a way to do it, but it needs to be done.
0: You know, and and that's the thing. I'm not an international lawyer, and and I can only imagine how many decades this would be bogged down in some court, uh, as it's argued. But you use the term war, and that's what they did. This was like dropping some kind of a neutron bomb, you know, on the planet. And I'm thinking, Kian, um, after the Second World War, uh, Germany uh, paid out reparations. Um, you know and much of that was from a, a voluntary point of view but still um I'd love to know if we can force China to do the right thing I know they don't believe in doing the right thing but I'd like to think there's some mechanism
3: I mean it's it's all hope and prayer I mean Donald Trump I he's he's he you know here's the problem with Donald Trump and I don't I don't really criticize him all that often because I think he does some good stuff. But he's too friendly with China. He's far too friendly with China. He thinks and he he acts and pretends on Twitter like they're good faith actors. Now, I don't know if that's just his art of the deal shtick where he's trying to pretend to be their friend. But Westerners need to be educated on the menace that is China. Their expansion, their militarization of space before this pandemic, uh, it was already a problem. Chinese aggression is the new Russian aggression. There's going to be a new cold war in this generation and China is going to be the aggressor. China uh, is a problem that many people haven't come to terms with. Um, It's not just this virus, it stems from uh, currency manipulation to uh, aggression in the Pacific and in space and now uh, global pandemics are being caused by them and their negligence or rather their complicity.
0: And one of those persons who hasn't come to terms with the evil that China is, or the evil that China is capable of, Kian, is our very own Prime Minister. We know how he's spoken about China in the past. And what really grinds my gears is that back in February, as you know, for to help China deal with the coronavirus, um, our nation sent reams of medical supplies, face masks, gloves, gowns, things that are now... In short order, I mean, some healthcare workers have to beg, borrow, or steal these items. And why was this done, especially in the context that they're holding two Canadians? They've been holding them for over a year now with no charges. They're they're basically hostages. Why would Justin Trudeau do such a thing?
3: One has to ask if China has compromising material on our prime minister. There's no explanation (laughs) for his... I'm serious David there's no explanation for why China uh, why our prime minister is consistently favoring China their talking points he regurgitates them he promotes people into high-level positions who are yeah, who are deep in the World Health Organization which has shown that they are just going to parrot uh, Chinese talking points the, the, just everyone remembers that tweet where they said this isn't a human to human transmittable virus. Uh, Our chief medical officer is knees deep in the World Health Organization because she's such a fan of China. There's a Canadian uh, from Newfoundland who says that he'd rather be treated in China than in Canada. And Justin Trudeau is responsible for all of these people, putting them in positions of power because for some reason he prefers China over Canada.
0: You know, it's astonishing, and that's the thing, uh, Kian, about Jason Kenney's quote is that when you think about it, he was just stating the truth, but it was in such, you know, honesty without the use of any $3 words or, you know, any kind of fancy language. And, you know, I would like to see more leaders take this position, you know, when it comes to China. As an exit question, uh, Kian, do you think um, Premier Kenny has set the tone or are people for various political reasons going to uh, tread softly on the China file? I think he has set the tone and I think we'll
3: find more premiers follow suit. Uh, The thing is, most premiers in Canada don't have the sort of international relations, global background that Jason Kenney has. Mm. Uh, Doug Ford, I mean, he has business ties in the United States, but when it comes to Scott Moe and uh, Brian Pallister, nobody has the same federal cabinet experience that Jason Kenney has. Uh, So I am not surprised that he's the first person, first conservative to be setting the tone, but I presume that more conservatives uh, especially those vying for the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada are going to start echoing uh, what what Jason Kenney is saying, particularly Aaron O'Toole, who has Jason Kenney's endorsement uh, and has tried to reflect his sort of leadership style. I think that Aaron O'Toole might uh, might be picking up this anti-China B, but that's just a prediction. We haven't seen much out of them, uh, out of any leadership Canada for some time since the, the race was delayed. So we'll have to see what happens.
0: Well, thank you again, uh, Kean, Like I said, such uh, frankness. It was just refreshing, you know. Uh, listen, you take care of yourself, my friend, in these dark times, and uh, we will talk next week. Sounds
3: good. Thanks, David.
0: Great. And, folks, that was Kean Bexty in Calgary. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Okay folks, here I am at the forest. I think it's actually called the Oak Ridges Moraine. Uh, a lot of people think it's serene and beautiful. Um, I think it looks like a good place to put a condo development. In any event, I'm gonna go into the woods, um, turn off the illumination that's coming from my V8-powered truck, and uh, try to see wh- how much fun I get by um, laying down on a blankie and lighting up a candle, and. Uh, celebrating whatever remains of Earth Hour. Oh my goodness gracious folks, let me tell you, I am deep, deep into the woods, far from civilization. And uh, you wouldn't even be seeing this image of me if it wasn't for my uh, trusty flashlight, which of course, by the rules of Earth Hour, I've got to extinguish so I can light up my candle. But I'm telling you, this is like something out of the Blair Witch Project. It, it's so dark. I'm all alone. It's like when I lost my virginity. <clears throat> anyway, let's light up the candle. Okay, folks. I, I hope you can see me. Uh, the candle's lit. And um, it's very, very quiet in here. But as long... As I have this candle lit, I can see, well, a few inches in front of me, and um, it'll keep me warm, I hope. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was my attempt to celebrate that ludicrous 60 minutes of virtue signaling known as Earth Hour. Something made even more ludicrous and even more downright trite, given that we are now all coping with a global pandemic in this day and age of the coronavirus. In any event, here's what some of you had to say about this exercise in environmental idiocy that should be confined once and for all to the scrapyard of obsolescence. Priv I writes, You won't see the purple hair earth freaks now. Real world problems. Yeah, Priv I, that is the silver lining when it comes to the covid-19 pandemic suddenly all those lunatics like the ones who comprise extinction rebellion you know those hysterical hippies who were making our lives miserable by shutting down intersections at rush hour yeah suddenly they've shut the hell up big time and i'm digging that sound of silence and say whatever happened to that swedish girl uh, what's her name You know, the one who was endlessly preaching gloom and doom. Oh yeah, Greta something. Yeah, she's off the map now too. It looks like there is indeed a bright side to a global pandemic after all. And Ken Vandenberg writes, Climate change claptrap is at an end. People have more to worry about. Than unsubstantiated rumors about 0.5 degrees Celsius temperature increase a hundred years from now. Oh, indeed, Ken, but what always struck me as a perversely ironic, as being very perversely ironic, rather, is that the people behind Earth Hour, that would be the World Wildlife Federation, you know, Gerald Butt's old stomping grounds. Yeah, they want us to turn off clean burn electric power and light up a candle for illumination instead isn't that self-defeating you see most of the candles available in Canada are made out of paraffin and paraffin is a petroleum byproduct so by turning off that light bulb and lighting up a paraffin candle you've actually increased your carbon footprint unbelievable Anna Vajda writes when people are out of work and can't afford their hydro soon every hour will be earth hour enjoy your refrigerated food while you can folks you know well said anna and hey you earth hour boosters out there why don't you just fly over to north korea and find out how the people there are enjoying living earth hour every hour oh but don't forget to pack some snacks by the way goat writes people have more important stuff to care about now more than ever You're right about that, goat. A real crisis works wonders when it comes to eradicating phony manufactured crises, such as the so-called climate crisis, that we are now hearing less and less about, thankfully. And finally, CPass writes, David, that was awesome. Thank you for your hard work, you and your co-workers do. And this was a well-needed laugh. Keep up your great work, Rebel News. Well, thank you so much, CPAS. And I can tell you, The team here at Rebel is working extra hard under these very challenging circumstances. But you know, a crisis brings out both the very best and the very worst of people. And I I think one key to getting through this awful pandemic is simply to maintain our sense of humor. Besides getting stressed out by things that are beyond one's control, well, that's wasted energy. Kind of like celebrating Earth Hour, wouldn't you say? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.